Welcome to Fight or Fright. Welcome, 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 welcome to Fight or Fright. Shout out to my Sheets Man fans out there. And if you don't know that, then you're probably too young for me. Anyway, I am Holland, and I am going to be your guide, your host, your Taurus. No, not Taurus. I'm going to be your guide through all things mysterious, true crime, and paranormal. And one of the reasons I decided to start this podcast is... One, I I love listening to podcasts and I love true crime and I may not be the best researcher ever and my information may not be always 100% correct, but I like researching and I like true crime and mystery and all of those kind of things. So I thought it'd be super fun to start a podcast with maybe some stories you haven't heard too much about. But on top of that, with these crazy fucking times with COVID-19, I also have caught up on all my podcasts. So to fill my time with the podcasts that I've already caught up on, I now think that I need to start my own. And I hope that you enjoy it and get to hear some fun campfire-like stories that will give you the chills, goosebumps, all those kind of things, and that you enjoy it. But also just like, with all this craziness going on, like, the people saying, like, give me liberty, give me death, like, it's just, it's so crazy, and that Florida never shut down, and the beaches are open, and just, like, just an announcement, just everyone stay safe, please wear masks, please wear gloves, and please stay six feet away from me. This goes when COVID is over, too. Just stay six feet away from me. I'm I'm really liking this thing, and... My semi-introverted self has been prepared for quarantine my whole life. I'm bored, but I'm also, like, thriving in this environment. So, but just everyone stay safe. Do what you can. Keep your neighbors safe. And another PSA, if there's anyone you can help and anyone that has, like, immune compromisations or is, like, over the age of 60 or anything like that. In these times, I feel like it's super important to just help people if you can. If you're healthy, you're safe, and you can do something to help others, whether it's get groceries for them and if you're going and do those kind of things, I think it's really important in these like crazy, uncertain, scary times. And if you're like me and you're on furlough and you don't know what to do, listen to my podcast. And so this is, again, fight or fright. Call your loved ones because I have so many people with parents and grandparents in nursing homes and they can't visit them. And the only way they can communicate with them is calling them. And also, if you are super rich, which isn't me, but if you are, you should get them an iPad so they can actually see your face and... Then you can have that super fun thing like I have where you I'm like the technology person in my family and have to teach everyone how to use everything. Like this week, I spent 30 minutes trying to help my parents figure out Zoom and how to get the audio working. We eventually just went to another computer, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> but if if you can just help the ones around you, these are like scary, crazy, uncertain times. So If you're going to go outside, wear a mask and gloves. And if you can help people, help them and call your loved ones. 
I am giving my love to everyone out there through this podcast. And so the first topic that I wanted to talk about, because I found it when I was like Google searching and I found the topic so freaking fascinating. It was so it was so interesting and it was a topic that I'd never heard of before. And for this one, we're going to be going across the pond to Scotland and the UK. We're going to be going to a island off of Edinburgh called Eileen Moore. Eileen Moore is pretty far off the coast of Edinburgh, and its closest neighbor is the Isle of Lewis, which is 20 miles away. So on the Eileen Moore, there was a man who was a saint, and he was named Saint Flannan, and he was an Irish saint who came to the Eileen Moore with a bunch of followers, and him and his followers built kind of like a chapel or something to basically pray and just worship at. And it's still, to this day, one of the only man-made things that's on Eileen Moore. And so St. Flannan and his followers didn't actually stay there that long because they got super freaked out because they thought that there was like supernatural paranormal things going on there and they thought that they saw little people on the island and now most people just call it fairies. They they think that they saw like fairies on the island. And so once Flannan and his followers left, people would still come to hunt and they would come to get livestock and chickens and birds and like all these different things. But there was like a super strict ritual when you went to do this. So when you arrived, you had the crew had to remove their hats before they got off the boat and they took off their like shirts, jackets and everything that was on their upper body. Once they did this, they would pray. Then they would pray on their approach to the chapel. And then as they made their way around the ruins of the chapel and when they were beside the chapel, this was what they had to do before they could forage on the land. They could not begin foraging until this ritual was completed. If they were there for more than one day, which because of the supernatural circumstances, most people didn't want to stay there more than one day. But if they were, you would have to do this ritual every single morning before you went out to forage for the things on the land. Another tradition was they had to use the local dialect that was specific to Eileen Moore. And there was a code of conduct on how the animals were able to be killed. These were so strong, the beliefs, that if someone was new and going to forage on this land, they would have to bring, they would actually like have to have a senior member come with them and show them the ropes on how things worked on the Eileen Moore, just because the ritual and the superstition surrounding Eileen Moore was just so strong. And so in 1695, there was this guy, Martin, Martin is what I wrote, but <laughs> that seems odd. Anyway, Martin Martin. And he said that we observed these to prevent inconveniences that they think may ensue upon the transgression of the least nicety observed here. So 
they they did all these things just to make sure that they weren't cursed or became unlucky and nothing happened to them and they i mean they still believed from the time of flannan that there were fairies and supernatural beings on this island in 1895 the northern lighthouse board commissioned the building of a lighthouse on the eileen moor because the boats that were coming towards there, it was just super unsafe because there were rocks, it was treacherous waters, and they wanted a lighthouse so that they could make the journey safer for the people that were traveling there and just around the Flannan Islands in general. And so it was supposed to take two years to build this lighthouse, but it ended up taking four years because of the storms and how treacherous everything was. It took them two years longer than what they expected. So that kind of brings us to the story that I want to talk about today, which is the disappearance of the lighthouse keepers on Eileen Moore. About a year after the lighthouse was built in December 26th of 1900, there were two guys that were on their way to Eileen Moore because a man named Joseph Moore was going to be taking the place of one of the lighthouse keepers. He was kind of like the substitute lighthouse keeper. So there was the principal lighthouse keeper, the second assistant, and the third assistant. And they would kind of switch out the two assistants. Joseph Moore was going to switch with one of the assistants. They got there and... There was no one to greet them, which was really fucking odd. They're like, what? what is going on? There's no one here. We don't see anyone. There was nothing to greet us. I wouldn't, I would normally say there was no light at the lighthouse, but it was the morning when they showed up. So the light probably wouldn't have been that effective anyway. But they go there and they're not greeted by anyone. So Joseph Moore takes like a little rowboat kind of thing and makes his way to Eileen Moore so that he can check on the lighthouse and check on the keepers to make sure everything's okay. He thought maybe they just like overslept or they were busy doing something. So he was going on orders of James Harvey, the captain of the boat that he was on, just to see what was going on. At the particular time that Joseph Moore was showing up, the principal lighthouse keeper was James Ducat. The second assistant was Thomas Marshall. And the third assistant was William MacArthur. Joseph goes there. He's he's looking around and the door to the lighthouse is unlocked. There's two of the winter heavy coats missing from the lighthouse. And then the there's half-eaten food and a meal on the table. So he's super confused and he keeps kind of looking around and also at the kitchen table, one of the chairs was fallen over like someone got out of it quick and they knocked over the chair on their way. He was looking around, he kept looking and eventually he went back to Captain James Harvey and was saying that he couldn't find anyone, like it looked a little weird but he couldn't find anyone it's even said that he had like this super weird feeling when he was going up to the lighthouse. He had like this eerie, ominous feeling, but obviously he kept going so that he could see what was going on. Harvey then goes in to start a search and brings some other people to see if like maybe someone was injured or something happened. And so he was looking for the lighthouse keepers because now no one could find them. And eventually he 
sent a letter to the Northern Lighthouse Board in Edinburgh, and he also sent the letter to the superintendent, Robert Muirhead. Just one part of the letter that kind of stuck with me that he sent was, a dreadful accident has happened at Flannan's. The three keepers, Ducat, Marshall, and the occasional, have disappeared from the island. On our arrival there this afternoon, no sign of life was to be seen on the island. He wrote this letter, and it obviously caught the attention of the Lighthouse Board and Robert Muirhead. So a couple days later, Robert Muirhead made his way to the Eileen Moore and the Flannan Islands to meet up with the people that Captain Harvey left on the island to make sure that the lighthouse was still able to function and be a working lighthouse. When Robert Muirhead gets there, he wasn't able to find too much more than what everyone else got. He found the circumstances odd also, but there was really no other clues. The only thing that he was able to find that Harvey and Moore didn't find was the logs that the lighthouse keepers kept. On December 12th, Marshall, the second assistant, wrote in the log, severe winds, the likes of which I have never seen before in 20 years. And Marshall also kind of remarked on how weird Ducat and MacArthur were acting. He was saying that Ducat was like unusually quiet and it was just super weird for him. And then he was also saying that uh, MacArthur was crying, crying a lot and crying enough that it was like super noticeable because he was a very known as like a tough brawny brave man and he knew the water well because he spent a lot of his life on the water so he was known as a tough person and it was just super odd that Robert Muirhead saw this because he hired all of these guys to work at the lighthouse and so he knew them all very well so when he saw that MacArthur was crying he just found it super odd and was confused by it and then on December 13th, there was another part of the log. This log spoke about the men praying because of the storm. They they were praying because they were scared and the storm was still so severe. The last entry that anyone ever made was on December 15th. All it said in the log that day was, Storm ended, sea calm, God is over all. Again, it's like, what does God is overall mean? Like, what what's going on here? I mean, it's the 26th now, so these guys haven't written anything in the past 10 days. So while they were looking, the last clue that Robert Muirhead found was down by the landing platform about where Joseph Moore would have come in on his boat to check on them. What Muirhead saw was that there were ropes on the rocks. These ropes were kind of like strewn about and they weren't in any like pile or order, but also they shouldn't have been there because they're usually in a crate that's 70 feet above the supply crane. That was how it was supposed to be. That's how they were taught. That's how it was supposed to be on the crate, on the supply crane, up 70 feet above the landing. It was just kind of weird and everyone was like looking at this and kind of confused. And so then there was just like a bunch of questions like, 
These guys were trained and told that they are not allowed to leave their post. They were prohibited to all be away from the lighthouse at the same time because obviously that's a huge risk to boats that are trying to get in or things like that. Like they just, they needed to be there. It's being a lighthouse keeper is honestly not an easy job. It's like a 24 seven, 365 job. You always have to be prepared for a boat to come or for something to happen. They were like, why were these highly trained guys that Mir had picked himself to work this lighthouse? Why did they leave when they knew that they were prohibited? Why was there only one coat left? Uh, all three men had a coat and two of the coats were gone and one was still in the house. So why would one of the men in the dead of winter, when they're talking about one of the biggest storms that they've ever seen, why would he go outside without his coat? Then what made these men so scared? Because they knew the water, they knew they knew how to work the lighthouse, they were really good at their jobs, which is why Mir had picked them. So why would this severe storm, or a storm in general, scare them as much as it did? The last question was, what fucking storm? Because from the notes that they had, the only storm that had occurred, occurred on the 17th. There wasn't a storm during these days that these men said there was a severe storm. So what was what was going on and what storm were they talking about? Because the 15th is when they said that, like the storm is over, the sea is calm, but there wasn't even a storm until the 17th. So it was just kind of confusing. And there was a lot of questioning of like, what what were they talking about? Then it's it's time to get into some of the theories. I'm going to start off with like the more likely ones. Then I'm going to get into some of the some of the fun ones. So first, one of the theories is that one of the men was on the island and they they were there for so long because the boat was supposed to come days before it actually showed up. Moore was supposed to be there before the 26th of December when he arrived. And so these men are in close quarters. They don't have much human interaction other than with each other. And so there's like a theory that maybe one of them went like super stir crazy and killed both the other men and then killed himself. But then you still have to think with that theory, what happened to the bodies? Because no bodies to this day have been found. So if he killed the two men and himself, I mean most likely they would have found the bodies when they were searching the island. I feel this is probably the most likely theory. Not the most fun theory, but probably the most likely. So it is said that a man who recently did research into this, because a lot of people have kind of been fascinated by this case, especially in the UK, a man with the last name of Love did this whole book and research into this case. He found out that two of the men that were at the lighthouse, they had pink slips because they kind of, in a way, the way he made it seem was they kind of had cut corners in the past and didn't always do everything to the specification that they were supposed to. So if there was a storm as bad as they were saying, even though it said that there wasn't a storm until the 17th, but if there was a storm to the likes of which they've never seen, then they could have gone outside because they didn't want to get a pink slip and they didn't want to get in trouble because then they could possibly get 
like fired from their job or they would get in trouble. So they went outside. The two men that could have gotten a pink slip and had done things wrong in the past put on their coats, went outside while the storm was going on just to make sure before the storm got worse that they had everything where it needed to be. Everything was tied up, locked down. Everything was going to be safe during this horrible storm that was occurring. Then it's thought that the other guy hadn't seen them in so long that he was he was eating. He was kind of waiting for them to come back, kind of taking his time. But then when he hadn't seen them for a while, he got curious and thinking that he would just be going outside for like a second and he would see them and everything would be fine. He didn't bring his coat out and just like open the door, walked out and that if the storm was as bad as they said, maybe they were all taken away by waves, things like that. So it's a little more logical than I would like, but but it is, I mean, if you think you're going to get fired from your job, even if it's in dangerous situations, you probably would go outside just to make sure that everything was how it needed to be and kind of just double check your work since you'd gotten in trouble in the past. So that's probably the most likely theory. And from the research I've done, that's what I've seen as kind of what they think happened now. But now I want to get into some of the super, super fun theories, because I I like paranormal, supernatural, weird kind of shit. And I think that all that stuff is so fun. I was telling you earlier about how Flannan believed that there were fairies and that was one of the reasons that they left the island is because they thought that there were fairies and so many of the Isle of Lewis residents told tales of the little people with magical powers on the island and they believed that they were fae or also known as fairies and that these creatures were wary of humans but the reason that those rituals and traditions came in in the beginning is because it seemed like they were also kind of like sensitive creatures. Like they wanted you to do things their way, essentially, but they didn't want to be seen by humans. They kind of wanted to keep to themselves, but they also wanted respect. So there used to be people, and I would love for this to have happened, but there used to be people that thought that maybe it had something to do with the fairies, like these men in some way upset them and they were not happy with something that these men did so then the fairies kind of like came out of hiding essentially and kind of showed them who's boss and runs these islands and it wasn't the humans it was the fairies which would be so freaking awesome because when I think of fairies all I can think of is like Tinkerbell from Peter Pan and the sassiness of Tinkerbell, like, I could totally see her getting pissed off if someone doesn't do the ritual correctly. Like, she was just a sassy motherfucker. She was insane. But I loved her. And so that's just, like, a super fun theory, I think, that fairies got highly offended by something that they did and wanted to show them that humans didn't own the land. Fairies did. Then there's the... I think this is this happens in, like everything where you can't find the bodies but then there's the the theory of alien abduction and aliens coming down taking these people 
experimenting on them, trying to learn about us humans, which I feel like aliens are more interesting than us humans anyway. So like, I, I don't know why they want to learn about us, but I mean, either way. And I totally believe that we're not the only life forms in the Milky Way or even in like the galaxy, the like outer space is just so huge and expansive. Like I just, I, I don't think that they look like us, but I can't believe that there's not something living, whether it's like insect size or something on another planet somewhere. I just, I can't believe that. But when you can't find a body, a lot of people start to think that there was an alien abduction or these people were taken and probed and tested and all that kind of shit, which would be super fun. I mean, I wouldn't want to to get taken by aliens or abducted and probed, but hey, I mean, they they apparently do it. Anyway, so since the bodies were never found, this is one of the theories that comes up. That's one of the weird things to begin with, no matter how logical any of these theories are. And obviously, like I said, there's the two that are more logical than the others, but the question still remains, like, what happened to their bodies? Their bodies still haven't been found. And if they were swept away by waves, you would still logically think that they would show up somewhere. I mean, unless they, like, went outside with, like, those ridiculous exercise ankle weights on them, deciding that the best time to work out is outside in the huge storm and then they got swept away by the waves. Like, their body's not just going to go to the bottom and not show up anywhere. It either would have shown up on, like, possibly the Isle of Lewis or Edinburgh. Or if the waves took you out, they could have even come, like, you probably could have found them back on Eileen Moore. So it's just really interesting to me that no matter how logical these theories sound, it's still kind of, in a way, in my opinion, a huge mystery because their bodies have never been found. And if you can't find the body, you can't 100% know what happened to these people. It's so interesting that they, like 10 days before, they were they were there, they were hiding out from a storm, getting all freaked out, praying, and all of that stuff. And then the next minute they're they're gone no one can find them they don't show up anywhere and there's not really that many many clues to show like where they are I mean I love a good meal so why the fuck would you leave halfway through a meal I mean even if you're gonna go outside to tie up the ropes like why would you leave a perfectly good meal like eat that shit and then go tie everything up why would you why would you just like I think that's one of the craziest things in, like, a bunch of different stories. Like, if there's, when you find a place and you can't find the people, but there's, like, food on the table or there's, like, something on the stove, even if the stove is turned off, like, there's food on the stove, like, why wouldn't you eat the food? I mean, that's just, like, it's incomprehensible to me because I love food. So, anyway, so it still, to me, seems kind of like a mystery, even though a lot of people think that, it was just two of the men afraid of getting a pink slip and went outside and got taken away by the waves. Yeah, then it's like, wh where did they go? So that is the disappearance of the lighthouse keepers on Eileen Moore. And 
if you have any theories or any anything that you want to add and send to me, you can find me on Fight or Fright Pod on Facebook. You can find me at Fight Fright Pod on Twitter. And you can find me at Fight or Fright Pod on Instagram. And if you want to email me, giving me a suggestion or telling me your theories, or if, like I said, I'm not like, I'm no historian or researcher. Like, if you know something I don't, I will fully admit when I don't know something. So if if you know something I don't and you want to reach out to me, my email is fightorfrightpod at gmail.com. And you can reach me there. So that was the disappearance of Eileen Moore. And that is a wrap on the first episode of Fight or Fright. And I hope you enjoy it. Don't forget to stay spooky, y'all. See you next time. Bye.